0: Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Hola, hola, mi gente. This is Teresa Gonzalez of Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. I just want to thank all of you with sincere gratitude from my heart for supporting this podcast. We are entering our season four and appreciate the folks that support us from technology, from the Squadcast.fm platform to the designers and media folks and audio engineers on my team. Because without your support and also following us through all our social media handles, this platform and my voice and the voices that I bring on this platform could not be made possible without you. So muchas gracias. Si se puede. Buenos dias mi gente, this is Teresa and we are moving into... The hoodie weather, the sweater weather, the PSL and your Uggs weather, or maybe your bear paws. I see you. I see you out there. And we want to make sure that you are prepared for the conchas, the chocolate, the tomales, all the wonderful things that make us and empower us through our food, music, our soul and community. This month especially, which is known as the ever-present Hispanic Heritage Month, Latinx Month, Latino Heritage Month. It's a celebration of all of us coming together with our brothers and sisters across all of Latin. But one thing I wanna mention is we're an influencing buying power. And we get one month out of the year, which is September, which is interesting to me because that doesn't give us more opportunities to showcase our products and services, which is left to us. And that's okay because we share things more through technology. We bring more services and products across our families in our communities. We share a lot more through the media than we can in social media platforms. So why is this all important? Because we need to recognize the importance of this month as giving us only one month when we have the entire year and future years ahead of us to grow and to be significantly important as a brand influencing community. And when you have $3 trillion that are available in the market, which we are the highest consumers of products and services, We are 62 million strong in the United States. We have registered more than we ever have for the U.S. Census and for voting. That's powerful. One month is not enough to celebrate our wonderful presence. So who I want to welcome to the podcast today to talk about this brand awareness, our influencing power, none other than Vanessa Vigil. She is a U.S.-born Latina with 17 years of experience in media and marketing, working from the agencies and publishing side of advertising, but is now the chief brand officer of MeToo under the NGL Collective, which is the next generation Latinx. This is to become the largest 100% focused digital first Latinx media powerhouse in the country, helping advertisers connect with coveted audience, regardless of our age or language preferences. So, who is under the NGL Collective and why has MeToo partnered or become a part of this organization? John Legazamo, the co-founder and partner of the NGL Collective said, With NGL Collective and MeToo's shared commitment to amplifying the voices of the Latinx community, our platforms and reach will expand. We will create more opportunities for Latinos in the front of and behind the cameras to speak directly to our communities and influence how America sees us and how we see ourselves. So Vanessa is going to be at the helm of these combined markets of Mitu and NGL, which will be comprising of We Are Mitu, Somos Mitu, Fierce, Crema, and she's excited to be working along with the leadership teams in both organizations. So let's welcome Vanessa Vidhil from Me Too and the NGL Collective. Hola, Vanessa. When we were talking previously, there's various channels within Me Too. It's not just one big company, correct? It's a family. So
1: we always liken it to, yeah, like it is a familia of brands, really. We call it, you know, our brands. And so we affectionately call it Wham, which is because of the handle is We mm-hmm. Are Me um That's sort of the flagship one that started it all. And, you know, that is always rooted in culture, nostalgia, comedy. It's that very lighthearted, again, it, it we like to say it's a channel that makes you feel like, Oh, we really all had the same childhood growing mm-hmm. up. Then you have fears, which is kind of like the woke older sister <laughs> who went off to college. And you know, so that launched in 2017, and was started by Wendy Barbas who's still with the company. Then, you know, Somos Me has also been around from day one, it tends to it's more Spanish forward content, we're looking to develop that even mm-hmm. further. Crema launched last year as our music vertical. And then Things That Matter is our baby brand that launched earlier this year in February. And so that's really providing a platform for resources, sort of that social conscious side that we know is really important to our community. And so there's some shared DNA in that they're all MeToo brands, but they all get to have sort of their different content pillars and personalities because we know that our community isn't a monolith, right? And so people may want to follow us for sort of the lighthearted, the memes, but we also know that they expect Mithu to be front and center to bring them things that matter as well. So, you know, whether it's news and policies, uh, resources that are affecting our community, that's equally important. So that's what we're really excited to build out and continue to flourish in terms of both the content and hopefully some real-life activation.
0: Great. That brings a lot of thoughts into my brain about your journey and why you decided to pursue this, you know, bringing up that family cultural aspect and relating to different family members, right? And and everyone gets to have their own identity. You know, they all show up to the table to eat, you know, tamales yeah. at Christmas time, right? So... <laughs> Exactly.
1: Yeah. You've got your artist, you've got your college grad, you've got, you know, your entrepreneur, you've got your silly cousin, sort of everybody comes together. Yeah.
0: So tell me about this journey that you started on here, because I know you're a first generation Latina, correct? I am. And you're based out of L.A., So tell us a little bit about that journey. I mean, what was the pivotal moment and influence for you to get started on this?
1: Yeah, so I am born and raised here. I actually was born in Anaheim to Mexican parents, Mexican immigrant parents. My, you know, my dad is he really grew up in TJ border town kid and my mom grew up in Yucatan. And so being Southern California sort of born and bred, it's you know, our culture's always been here, we have a pretty strong presence. I went to college, I grew up in a suburb of LA, so West Covina area, mm-hmm. you know, very kind of middle class upbringing. So I went to college on the East Coast, I went to Amherst College, which was a very small liberal mm-hmm. arts college, and a very unique experience to get away from Southern California, not just weather wise, <laughs> but you know, culturally, it's very different, right, right. when you realize like, oh, half the population doesn't look like I mean, right but it was a great experience you know I learned a lot I also formed some really tight bonds with the few Latinos that were there you know we just all sort of gravitated to each other and a lot of us were from California That's what we do <laughs> yes we find each other like we just like you're you're one of us right and we'd get together it was like a lifesaver, so when I graduated, I, you know, I, I was home every chance I got during the breaks. You know, I, I loved going out there, but I also loved California. It cemented for me, this is home, and this is where I want to be. So I came back and I started interviewing with agencies, and I came upon Arena's Entertainment. Mm. They were a is a Latino-owned agency that worked primarily on entertainment accounts, and so. I believe there was two openings at reception and one in media. I didn't even know what media was at the time, but, you know, it was entry level. And so I said, sure, it's something to do with marketing and I'll figure it out. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) The ironic thing thing is that, you know, media is very math forward. And I did not touch math in my four years at Amherst College. Um, It was, you know, one of the few schools that don't have a core curriculum. Mm -hmm. But anyway, You know, I started developing my my career in media. And I think what really for me, the click and the light switch was I always grew up hearing about, you know, my mom was so wonderful. And I'm so thankful for this about like she was just always infusing these stories about, you know, our Mm -hmm. culture and like why you should be proud. And why am I, you know, driving in the car like you know, this is Pepe Aguilar, and this is his mom, and she was a famous actress, and the this and that, and, like, she just was always infusing our culture, like, every little moment she got, Um, and I don't think you realize that when you're living Mm -hmm. it until, in hindsight, you just, it's something you tap into that's this fire that's always been there, and I was very lucky, I think, to find in my first job sort of that perfect marriage of, being able to bring my full culture, my full experience and perspective tied with, you know, marketing Mm -hmm. and media, which is something that I always really loved. So that really kicked off. I've always been in multicultural marketing, multicultural strategy, especially on the media side. So what that means is really the advertising side, so paid media. It evolved obviously when I started digital probably wasn't even a thing you know I graduated uh, college in 2004 so the media industry evolved a lot I spent several years there working on the Universal Pictures account and then I branched off with my boss from that agency she started a a small shop and you know I spent several years with her. And then I joined one of the Omnicom mm. agencies to work on the Disney account. I didn't um, even as know a multicultural that. Strategist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it was you know it was incredible. It was such a shift in the experience of when you're in a multicultural agency and a Hispanic agency like I was for so many years. You're surrounded by like-minded people, and you know everything's just sort of a given because you all understand the culture, and that's a little bit you know what I what I love about where I. Am now with me but joining a big general market agency it's also really valuable to see okay how does the multicultural and the latino strategy fit into the bigger picture you know of how do you market a disney film and that is an incredible art and an incredible feat and we are a very important part of it but it was really valuable to learn sort of okay How do all the pieces shift together and to get that full picture of you? So I really just loved that opportunity. I then went on and worked on the Universal Account for a little bit, again, um, as a director, also on Multicultural Strategy. And then I got the chance to join Meekoo, which I had always been a fan of
0: as Mm -hmm. a client,
1: you know, as as an advertising client. I was just such a fan of Meekoo when it came on the scene. I felt that it was the only media company, especially digital media company, that just sort of was on par with the big guys, with anyone from a Busby to, you know, a Complex to a Vice. Now, of course, we're not that size, but it just, the content felt like it just stood on Mm. its own. You know, the client services was always great. And it just, it really piqued my interest and my admiration in terms of here was a company that was really kind of getting it right. And so I always was trying to, uh, you know, find my way in. And I finally did. And I came over in 2019 to run the brand partnerships team, which was their media and account management team and their creative strategy team as well, working with advertiser partners. So I kind of came to the other side of the table to, you know, work with advertisers, which is that's where the majority of my background
0: has mm, been. That's uh, interesting. So you switch sides, so to speak, right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) You went to the content side, which it sounds like that's where your heart was. So you bring up a couple of interesting things that I'd like to ask because of where you were and where content was back in 2004 and then 12, you know, I want to take in eight, maybe five year increments. The technology within those increments of time have evolved tremendously And a lot of that has to do with the way we use technology. And then also you bring up advertising, which I'm very fascinated by as a multicultural agency that you worked for prior to me too. And you were a strategist. I'd like to learn a little bit more about when you say strategist and multicultural, and I understand big brands try to partner to understand where they can position their products and how they see a market fit based on opportunities. But in that arena, what were the challenges? Or did you see any challenges in that? Like, so how did you come to them when I'm just going to flat out say it, a lot of them get it wrong.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, what I touched on in terms of understanding the big picture, because again, it's one thing to come in when you're kind of an in an echo chamber. And, you know, one thing I've heard a lot in our industry, for example, is, okay, well, if Latinos are 20% of the population, why don't we get 20% of Mm -hmm. the budgets? And that's an oversimplification that it becomes an easy rally cry to get behind, but in practice, it's very different, right? And so that's where I think I learned a lot working on a big general account is that it's not that easy, you know, the money is allocated and needs to be spent in a way that is going to get the most mileage that is hitting sort of all the KPIs is reaching as many people, you know, Disney would always say that their target audience is people two plus, you know, two to 99 mm-hmm. It's everybody, you know, they've always had tremendous box office goals that they meet and they exceed and you know, they, they beat their own records, they're their own best competition it was a really good challenge for me to understand how do you make mm-hmm. the case and the value to not just say well we deserve it because we're 20% of the population yes i think we can all understand that but learning how to make the business mm-hmm. case of why you know the pot of money needs to be dis- allocated a certain way why is it important especially i think in entertainment entertainment can be a very universal product right who doesn't love a Disney film who doesn't love a marvel film right it's not a hard thing to sell but you know so then you start to dig a little deeper and you say okay well what about the people who may not be the shoe-in right like who where is sort of the incremental opportunity is it latina women who are maybe not that core marvel fan who are not a lucasfilm fan and so how do you start to appeal to them, you know? And that's where I've always been a big proponent also of thinking first as a consumer, if I'm not bought into that, what would it take to really capture my attention? Right. And so, you know, I remember we did when I was still on the agency side with me there was a partnership, you know, the Avengers mm-hmm. universe had gotten so large and, you know, I think it was about 10, 10 franchises in and, The marketing challenge was really, okay. there's sort of a a massive cohort of people that are fans. You know, we know they're going to show up. How do you now extend beyond that and make that bigger? And so there was a piece of content that was done with Nitu at that time that was really about breaking down the different Avengers characters like you know, (laughs) characters. And it was, you know, it was between, you know, kind of a young millennial at that time and their mom. And it was like, okay, so this is how you start to broaden the circle. And this is how you grow it. And that's, that's a business case. Nobody is going to say no, when you say there is a potential incremental box office and incremental consumer base there. And so I think that's where you start to really think more critically about it. And it, it sharpens the argument and it sharpens sort of the rationale for why you do need to go outside of that core circle. But, you know, and it's, it's that perfect marriage of art mm-hmm. and commerce and business insights and understanding how to really make that case and not just say, well, this is our number, so we deserve it. Give me my, my due right. diligence. Yeah,
0: so. I totally get that. You have to make a business case. And sometimes, before they give you the money, they really want to see the numbers. And it's like, that's really hard to to do. And because now I'm going to throw technology in here a little bit because sure. advertising has changed tremendously over the last, I want to say, eight years on platforms since they're being utilized more through social media, but also Just in the two biggest realms on the planet, which is Google and Facebook. Yeah. And when you start talking about budgets and numbers to promote things and how Me Too and every, you know, they're everywhere, right? Your content is everywhere. But when you start putting ads out there and advertising and putting a marketing strategy behind a multicultural endeavor, how do you partner with the right company when you have X amount of dollars and they say, Oh, we can get you this audience. And they tell you where they're going to get it. But it may not be a fit because you're like, well, that platform doesn't really favor the Latino market. So how are you going to give me my ROI in what I'm asking? Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's a reality of the industry that, you know, we fully acknowledge. And you're right. I mean, between Google and Facebook, You know, and now Amazon is sort of in that trifecta. Also, you know, they hold a tremendous amount of data. You know, we used to always say on the agency side, like, YouTube is the ocean. I mean, it is it's infinite you can
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can go on forever you can find as many people as you want there and absolutely the technology and the data that they have is something a publisher or a platform like me will never even you know that we can't even compare and so i think that's where you need to think of the distinction and so that hard working media of just sort of getting the message out there and targeting it to audiences which i mean that's an interesting thing we can come back to you know we recognize we're not going to compete with that. We're not Google, Mm -hmm. we don't have the ocean. And so you know, it's challenging when I think advertisers come to us and expect that like they treat us the same as, you know, a a Google and say, Well, I want, yes, great, you have Latinas, I want Latinas. And I want, you know, this 24 Mm -hmm. to 29 who are in market for a small crossover Mm -hmm. SUV. And, And I'm like, For us, that's probably gonna be five people. Like I we I don't I'm not starting with the ocean, right? For us, what we offer is the context. We offer the cultural insight in the in the creative and we, we offer how can we make an advertiser's messaging relevant and resonant and more memorable. And really that's going to be, you know, for us our value proposition is the content that we can create and how can we sort of marry you know, the content that we do every single day that we are watching the data on that we know our audience, you know, loves or doesn't love, and bring a partner into mm-hmm. that, because they're not living and breathing that type of content nuance the way that we are. But what we're not is those massive, massive media solutions. And, you know, we just never will be it's, it's a totally different. And I think you, you know, smart marketers know the value of both of those, which is that, yes, a lot of the budget will go to that. And of course, you know, targeting is getting increasingly difficult as cookies mm-hmm. are going away and targeting is becoming more regulated. And so for us at Meetu, we feel like that is an opportunity still because we are a contextual partner. So then, you know, where I think context at one point, maybe it's ebbed and flowed, but it can take sort of taken a back seat. Now that's, that's important, right? And so even on Facebook, you can't target Latinos, you can't target by ethnicity anymore. But if you target the MeToo audience, which is something only we can offer, like it's a pretty good chance you're reaching a Latino on social media because if they're engaging with our content, you know, they're either very connected and relate to the culture or they are likely Latinos. So it's an interesting yes. time in terms of even we don't have that access mm-hmm. anymore to say, you know, there was a time when we could say, of our audience is Latinos, and maybe 15% are, you know, African American, like we can't, we don't even have that insight anymore. That's been taken away from everybody, you know, but what we do have is just still the connection with the community and the Mm -hmm. audience.
0: Yeah, we are living in interesting times for target market audiences. And completely, you know, I find it really interesting that they take it away. But yet the hashtags are still there that have millions of followers. And so this is something I'm very intrigued by because I did work at Google and I know the biases that happen behind there a little bit. And so it's very interesting. So my question in this media sphere for you and you've been in the space for so long is how do we come together as a media platform or a network of platforms or media and say, Mm -hmm. yes, we'd like to partner with you. But we want to hold you accountable to the right messaging, and we should be at the table for these conversations versus here's a business case, here's this, okay, and now, Mm -hmm. you know, off into the sunset, they ride, and then they come back. Yeah, I think that there should be an end-to-end process. I mean, this is just my opinion, but um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what really happens because I'm not in that world of you, but on the technology side… I see the execution piece and I think there's a lot of bigger discussions around that. And I'm so happy that you're in this space and I want to talk about those tables yeah. because you have just recently been invited to that table at me too as a chief brand officer because of your insight and because of your strategy. So let's talk about that.
1: I do want to go back to, you made an interesting and in that again, how do we sort of challenge and question, you know, even some of the really big media solutions that are saying, sure, I can give you Latinos, I can give you Hispanics, right? And I remembered you triggered a a flashback for me, you know, on when I was on the agency side and, you know, dealing with, with Google and big reps. And obviously, I was always focused on multicultural. And so I would ask in particular for Latinos, like, okay, so the biggest method that Google had for reaching a Latino audience was Spanish language, something it was music, mm-hmm. right? So it was through YouTube and music. And so it was Spanish music affinity, basically. And I just remember thinking like such a gross oversimplification, like that's not an exact science because, you know, there can be people that are not Latinos that like Shakira or like, right that are mariachi diva fans that, you know, that right. Are- and, le- and also Latinos don't exclusively like Spanish music. <laughs> so if I'm a Latino, who's not listening to Spanish music, you're going to miss me. Right. And that's where I think it is important that we sort of be at every mm-hmm. table. Like you said, be in the tech companies, be the engineers that are really programming how these decisions are made because again, I don't come from that world. I know there has to be statistical relevance or there's practicality to all of this. And so I trust that that was the best option. But I think that there's also a danger in that advertisers or agencies when they're doing their work, frankly, it's some are just looking to check the brown box and say, all right, the targeting's done. I don't have to deal with it. I don't have to think about it. You know, I don't have to think, Critically about the nuance and the messaging or the creative, like it's just it's easy, it's taken off my plate, right? And so that's checking the easy box. And the ones that really I think would see the best rewards are like, sure, you can do that for the reach, but understand that it doesn't end there. Just like you, yes, you can buy Univision and you know, do your upfront there and spend money, but if you just stop there, you're stopping short because. Again, in a world of digital, there's a whole generation Mm -hmm. now of people that are not watching broadcast television, that are not watching novelas anymore, or Spanish TV content. So there's a responsibility to think about. In the general market, we would never say just like, all right, I'm going to do one Google buy and call it a day and I'm done, right? It's a monolith taken care of. And that's sort of the unfairness that we see still play out. Um, When it comes to multicultural marketing, you know, and this is for all multicultural segments, not just Latinos, but also the Black community, and the mm-hmm. Asian community is it's worked sometimes to find and to think critically. And there's nothing better than having somebody at the table who can say like, well, yeah, let me tell you about my experience, not to say that it should be a focus group of one, but that you have to take into account the various experiences and media consumption habits that people have and realize that you can't just say like, okay, Spanish music done. Like that's, I'm covered. You know, it's, that's stopping short and it's lazy to be honest. Oh, totally lazy.
0: It's totally lazy. I mean, that's why DEI initiatives. And I mean, you just only have to go to LinkedIn to see the, the shit show that's happening there right now about yeah. You know, like why do we have to keep educating you?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. come to the
0: table, let's work together, but I'm not doing all the work. And also, you hold That's you exactly hold it. the keys to that platform and I want to see where it's going. I want to see Yeah. show me something that I can learn from you and I will show you things that will help. It should be reciprocal yes. because you were yes. in that space of advertising. Technology is playing mm-hmm. a huge impact On how these messages get targeted to us. And I've been hearing a lot of people in the podcasting space that are Latino or, you know, African American, or, you know, part of the social justice black community, when they hear their podcast on these bigger platforms, and they just slap a, an ad on there. It's like, I didn't want like Doritos on my
1: the, that association. Yeah, I didn't want yes. that on my, yeah. you know,
0: I'm talking about mm-hmm. social justice, health equity, and they're putting a Doritos commercial on my yeah. podcast. You know, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. this is the misalignment yeah. and the distrust that immediately begins to happen. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going. And that's why I think it's huge that you're holding this major, I want to say data network of information that you're going to be kind of cultivating into a new arena. And so let's talk about that. I'm getting excited for you. I'm like, how can I do (laughs) more for you? I'm very excited. excited. And it's going to play a huge uh, role in our community. So let's talk about that. Like, tell me about what is next? Like, what's the big evolution that's going to happen with you here in that
1: room? What are your thoughts? And then these eight segments that you have? It is currently, let me see, I need to count count my children. It, yeah, so it, <laughs> it's currently, you know, five brands. It's currently five brands. But yes, we are actually expanding to have three awesome. more. So that's some other news that I'm, I'm happy to chat about. So yes, part of this this new phase is actually some recent exciting news that actually our parent company, Go Digital Media Group, uh, acquired NGL Collective, which is, you know, another big Latino, you know, legacy company, they have Seen success a lot more, you know, in the media space, like sort of, you know, advertising media. It was started by David Chattel and also John Like is a partner awesome. in it. And then there's, there's other partners in it. And so we are joining forces and we're super excited. It's a really great complementary fit to Mithu. So again, where Mithu has had so much success in consumer facing Mm -hmm. content and on social. NGL has had other strengths in the media space. And so yes, my promotion comes uh, together with that acquisition. And so I am being promoted to chief brand officer. I have been serving as general manager for about the last year on MeFu, which means just wearing a lot of hats and putting out a lot of fires. But it's been really fun and I've gotten to know, you know, every, every aspect of our business, which I'm so grateful for. And so this next evolution, I will be focusing on really cultivating those brands that are consumer facing that live on our social feeds on all these platforms. We also have, you know, our owned and operated site, we are me And there's plans for a few other platforms in which to, to launch, you know, we've been asked about, CTV and about audio. And so there are plans for that. With the NGL acquisition comes Size, mm-hmm. which has been, you know, an event. I love that. I love that. Conference. And then Latina Moms and Hispanic yeah, Kitchen. The Size. So all of that comes under Mitu now. Yeah. So we're super excited. So that will be, you know, it'll be a Mitu event moving forward. And we're very excited to kind of, you know, expand the families. That sounds amazing.
0: I mean, I see lots of wonderful things. And the fact that your partner collaboration with NGL and the John Legazamo being a part of that, I just remember seeing him at Hispanicize before the pandemic in Los Angeles. And what he was saying was absolutely relevant about the community, that what's happening now, that we need to really form and hold accountability to companies about our narratives it was very important yeah. what he said and I just think that's gonna be a great partnership for the next evolution of me Too. and I'm very excited for you because representation matters and yeah. you're gonna be at that that table, the c-suite and I think it's gonna be fantastic and I'm so excited for you. So thank you you're welcome. So I'm gonna um, we're gonna close it up here but I what would you like to leave the audience with? hear about me too? And what can we look out for? I mean, you just said some really big goodies, but
1: yeah, what do you think? Okay, so my takeaway is is that I just really think that the important thing is that we occupy space. Yes, in all fields and unapologetically. And this is where again, like you said, there's so much talk of diversity and inclusion. And you know, one of the things that I just I'm so grateful for that. You know, I had the privilege of being able to experience this fresh out of college and now more than ever is really being able to bring my full self to work, Mm -hmm. my culture and the quirks. And, you know, and I I will say that's maybe been a good thing of the last two years of COVID, right? Of seeing like, people at home and juggling kids and juggling and like that's a very real side like that is a part of who humans are and for so long it you know how trying to keep up a veneer of just like we've well, got to be professional you have to do this and like you leave a certain thing at the door that is where you know being surrounded by diverse and open-minded people and, uh, and in a welcoming environment, no matter where you work is so important. And that if someone is in a position of leadership to make sure that you are creating that space for, for your employees to bring their entire selves to work, it is important that we occupy space and effect at every level, because, you know, when we talk about why don't they get it and why are things a certain way and how come it's so hard to convince people of something it's because there's a lack of diverse points of views and, and diverse backgrounds. And that is ultimately going to be the critical change that needs to happen. And that's why we need Latinos to go, Latinos and Latinas, to get into every type of field, get into engineering, get into marketing, get into you know production and entertainment at every level to occupy that space, bring your entire self and also to reach back and bring people with you. Absolutely. Because I think that is the thing it cannot be. And that's the thing I love that it's so ingrained in us. Like we're so community driven. We're always looking out for, for those around us, we are not a selfish kind. And I think, again, that mentorship and that just looking around and saying like, it's just a conversation, anything, right? Because people need to see that glimmer, you know, remember that a 22 year old, a 24 year old, it's weird to me, like, I still feel like my mind, I'm stuck in being that person. And I'm like, no, I'm 40. Like, I need to reach back and, and talk mm-hmm. to somebody like that, right? And we have interns right now at Mifu, And I, I told the team, I'm like, I want to set up time where they can just ask me anything. Like, I, I want to be an open book. I want to, you know, make it relatable so that they don't feel that someone who sits in a C-suite position is just, this enigmatic unattainable person. Right. So retaining that humility and just making space for us to be in every space is is what I would say.
0: Oh, that's an awesome close. Okay. Mic drop. Boom. There we go. It's (laughs) done. (laughs) I really, I'm glad. I'm glad. And that was, you know, the whole purpose of bringing you on is to talk about this representation, especially in the space. There's a lot of uh, momentum and shifting going on right now. So it's very it's a very exciting time. And so with that, where can we find you? Like I, I don't even have to say where can we find me too because you just open up and- You can find it. <laughs> yes.
1: No, you can completely find it. Right. I would hope, right? And definitely follow us and follow all of our new brands. But you guys know where to find us. So, well, I'm on Instagram. It's usually where I spend most of my time, like like a good, you know, older millennial. So it's uh, <laughs> at Vane Vigil, and it's underscore vv. So you know, I'm, I'm vv now with my my married last name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's pretty much where I'm at. Obviously, LinkedIn, and really just follow us. Follow us on wearemithu.com and Fierce by me through all of our brands. That's where you will see the manifestation of everything we're trying to engage with our community and, you know, really be of service to them and be a reflection of them.
0: There you go. You heard it first from Vanessa. She's going to spearhead the new evolution along with partnerships with NGL and John Legazamo and his team and the big events coming post COVID. So, very exciting times, and yeah, thank you for being on this show. I really appreciate, it. and I want to hear. You know, we're gonna have to schedule part two because I do want to hear about this next level of the eight channels and yes. yeah, how that's gonna roll out because it's a good brand, and I think there's huge, huge opportunities coming that way.
1: Yes, let's do it. I would love to. I have lots of ideas for for our new brand, oh, so good. I would love. To circle back. Cool. <laughs> and well, definitely we'll keep you guys posted for our 10-year celebrations later this year. So um definitely look out for that. We'll be having woo-hoo! something at the studio space in LA. So <laughs> nice.
0: Well, thank you, Vanessa, for joining us on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Thank you, Teresa. So great speaking with you. Gracias. Thank you, Vanessa, for joining us here at Latina's from the block to the boardroom. Wow, I am just so floored by the information that we just shared about the advertising how certain technology platforms just like to bundle us all under one group. And this is where they get it wrong, which I can see the total reason for the NGL Collective and Me Too to come together to become this powerhouse in media and advertising. I am so excited and can't wait to see what comes out of this. In addition, you can follow Vanessa under IG or the best place to find her though is through LinkedIn at Vanessa Van. E S S A, Gracias, mi gente. Sí se puede.